Hello and welcome everyone to the first ever Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, along here with D. Lou, and we're going to be bringing to you uh, a podcast about K-State sports, uh, K-State football, K-State basketball, a little bit of everything. Uh, D. Lou, how excited are we to get this started? We're so excited, Chris. We, we've been looking forward to this. This has been in the works for a long time. We've done our research. We've done the legwork. And we're here just to really give our listeners uh, the inside scoop, hard-hitting journalism about everything Kansas State. And, you know, it's, it's a tremendous responsibility we have. And we're, we're so excited to get this started. And... You know, let's just get underway, right? Get right our teeth right into it here. With uh, the first games coming up here, uh, it's been a long off season, but we finally made it. Uh, with the long off season, it was a pretty, pretty eventful off season for K State in terms of uh, changes on the coaching staff. Uh, we have a new triumvirate of uh, offensive coordinators uh, as Dana Dimmel took the head coaching job at UTEP, which we're all so sad about. <laughs> yeah, we're. I I was inconsolable for. It would have been about a solid three weeks after he, he left. Well, and, and on that subject, we've been kind of going back and forth over the last few weeks about uh, whether or not Dimmel's role is going to affect this team, or the lack of Dimmel uh, will affect this team in any kind of detrimental way. Um, and we can get to that when we talk about our offensive coaches, but we, uh, we've been banging heads a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Whenever you have a guy like Dana Dimmel who's been, you know, here as as long as Snyder's been on, on 2.0 anyway, uh, he's been a staple of the staff. Uh, having a guy that's been, you know, calling plays for the last seven, eight, nine years, uh, and anytime you have a change, there's going to be there's going to be some some slow growth there. It's going to be some the training wheels are going to be on. I think for a little bit early on, especially with three guys that have never uh, never called plays. Uh, at the at the Power Five level, of course, Colin Klein uh, called plays uh, at Northern Iowa when he was an assistant there. But uh, this is a little bit different of a ball game. Yeah, it is. And and you know, I was, gosh, in 2012, right after the Klein era got over, I was stumping for Dimmel to be our head coach. I said this guy has put together two of the most efficient offenses in K State history. Um. And I trusted him. I was all in on him. But then, you know, through the Waters era, through the Bazooka Joe era, through... What an era that was, then, too, by the way. Who could I forget? Mean, who, who could forget that? Yeah. Uh, and then even through last year, I, I've become... I became more and more frustrated with his with his play calling. And so I am happy to wish uh, Dimmel the best at his new role down in... Uh, El Paso, Texas, but uh, but I'm not going to miss him. You know, El Paso is really charming this time of year. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful mountains. What what bowl game is out there? Sun Bowl. Sun, Sun bowl. bowl. With, uh, yeah, you know, that's it's a CBS game. It's always, uh, you know, kind of right before New Year's. It's it's a it's a tradition. It's a very, I mean, it's a tr- tradition-rich bowl. It's one of the older running bowl games, of course, but... Um, yeah, Dana's gonna have his job or have his work really cut out for him. That's a tough job. They uh, went winless last year, and uh, it's gonna be tough for them to to win too many this year. But speaking of win, he brought out Winston with him too. So uh, the Miners got that ace in their up their sleeve. They do. They certainly do. And you know, Winston Dimmel, you know, probably unfairly criticized by a, a fair portion of our fan base uh, that. 
oh, you know, he's kind of a, uh, the Mike. He was Mike Allstott of of the Big Twelve in terms of in that he was the only running back in the Big Twelve. Well, no, that he that he st- he was a touchdown vulture to to a to the nth degree. I mean, let's think here. How many times did you know whether it be the offense gets down there on a big run by uh, Alex Barnes or you know a couple nice runs by a. a, a a couple different people or nice passing and then oh third and one or you know first and goal at the one and and we'll just give it to Winston to finish it off but you know with Winston uh he, he was a good player for us and I think he'll put up some big numbers you know he's gonna be getting touches they don't have God knows they he's don't have be. they don't have a whole lot of other options I don't I don't think he'll uh his yards per carry will be particularly impressive but it wouldn't shock me if he grossed somewhere in the range of eight or nine hundred yards yeah, no, absolutely. He if yeah, uh, if you're playing college fantasy football, that look at him <laughs> as a 1-1 one, one, uh pick there for you. Um but so that's kind of talking about, you know, the Dimmel departure here. Let's let's kind of transition that over to the to, you know, what's replacing Dan Dimmel with the with the three different offensive coordinators, uh, Charlie Dickey, uh Colin Klein and what who is assumed to be kind of the the head horse of that uh, of that group. Of the three horsemen, so three horsemen. So, yeah, so we just need another one to really have a have the old four horsemen backfield like Notre Dame had back in the twenties. But anyway, uh, with uh, Andre Coleman kind of taking the lead role there, uh, it's really pretty tough to predict how this is going to look. But what's your best guess of kind of what the offense is going to take shape of this year? You know, I think it really depends on who's taking the snaps. Uh, all off season, I was really excited about the rushing attack that we'd have under Delton, especially given our uh, expected weakness at the wide receiver position. But, you know, with Thompson back there, it's really anybody's guess. Um, sure. I, I hope that uh, they didn't take too much of the demo philosophy where we pound our quarterback between the tackles, you know, 20 times a game. Because I don't, I don't know if Thompson are really – Anybody outside of Klein has the durability to sustain that over the course of a season. Um, but your guess is as good as mine in terms of what our offense is going to look like if Thompson is back there, um, especially with uh, our receiving core. So who knows? I expect us to lean heavily on Alex Barnes um, and the rest of our stable of running backs. Uh, but if if Thompson's back there, I would expect us to be throwing it 30 times a game. See, I think we're going to be throwing a little bit less than that. And because I think that we're going to be using a little bit more of both quarterbacks. I think with, with, uh, with Delton in there, uh, I, I read a, uh, I read something that was kind of interesting the other day about, uh, how Delton had some great success in the bowl game. Uh, you know, he was coming in fresh. He hadn't played in a while, of course, with his injury situation. And he was going up against a UCLA run defense, which was paper. I mean, water through a sieve is, is an understatement uh, in regard to that. Um, but, you know, you have to think about uh, how, how are they going to utilize both uh, of those quarterbacks? Because I think, I think anyone uh, that's followed K-State uh, over the last uh, – five to ten years or even longer know that we do have trouble keeping our quarterbacks healthy. And the last year, you can look no further than last year as a, as a prime example of that. Uh, I would like to see uh, also, I think Skylar Thompson, and I think both quarterbacks are 
are kind of pigeonholed unfairly as, well, Thompson's the thrower and Delton's the runner. I think both are a little bit better at the at their weak parts of their game, as, as people would say. Uh, I think Thompson's a capable runner. Is he going to be utilize or is he going to be like Colin Klein running you know quarterback power between the tackles? No, and nor, and nor should he be utilized that way. I think uh, with with Thompson, if you get him out on the edge, I think he's got enough speed. I think he has enough shiftiness to where he can be a, a more than capable runner. And then with Delton, um, obviously with his injuries last year, uh, you know, assumed to be a concussion. I believe it maybe it was even reported on that it was a concussion. Uh, you want to limit uh, you want to limit that for him, but he is definitely the more effective runner between between the tackles. Uh, but also that's why we have our running backs. Uh, they uh, they've proven to be a pretty capable unit uh, over the last couple of years, and uh, I expect nothing uh, but the same this year. Right. If we're gonna run between the tackles, let's do it with uh, our running backs, particularly with uh, Silman and Barnes, uh, who are a little heftier. Yeah, and you know what? What do we make too of uh, Dalvin Warmack? You know he's back after uh, playing on transferring uh, in the off season, but he's back for his his senior season at K State. He seems to be the one running back in our in our stable of running backs here that is a little bit more a uh, little bit more skilled in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you could you could really see him being utilized in a number of different ways, whether it's you know flanking him out wide, bringing him back in motion uh, on on a jet sweep type thing. He even ran some out of the wildcat last year. Uh, I'll be interested to see how this this uh, offensive staff utilizes his skill set. Yeah, if if I recall correctly, him taking the ball out of the wildcats what I most associate with our West Virginia game last year. And that yeah, was... and I believe he had a touchdown against Texas Tech doing the same thing. So it, it was something that was successful. I also thought, you know, in that Iowa State game, which was which was a, a, a great offensive performance, especially in the first half. Yeah, which now we led that game at halftime too. Somehow, I think Somehow. we had forty-seven total yards. Yeah. Well, that just shows that we'll never lose to those clowns. But uh, anyway, uh, I digress. But I think that what uh, what really does serve. I think what the purpose that. Uh, Warmack can serve is when we do go four wide receivers, spread the field out a little bit. It opens up some running lanes for him. Uh, you know whether it's through the through the tack between the tackles or through the outside, he has that kind of ability that I think he can be a very dangerous weapon in this offense. And I and I hope to see him utilized more uh, this upcoming season. But uh, let's transition from the offensive side of the ball a little bit uh, to uh, a new defensive coordinator. Uh, Tom Hayes has. Uh, hung it up. Uh, he, you know he's uh, he was a long-standing defensive coordinator here at K-State, uh, but now Blake Seiler uh, is taking over the reins as the defensive coordinator. Uh, a unit that was really had some really good talent last year. Uh, DJ Reed, obviously, uh, you know one of the better defensive backs to come through K-State in, in a in a number of years. Uh, linebacker play was serviceable last year. Uh, defensive line, I thought. Uh, you know, lacked a little bit, but with Kendall Adams uh, and DJ Reed back there, he's got something returning, or he's got he had something last year. And with Duke Shelley taking taking that uh, taking that top cornerback responsibility this year, he has some experience back there in the defensive backfield that should be a pretty solid unit. Oh, I agree. I mean, I think we're gonna really miss Reed. We're gonna really miss Geary. 
Um, but from the way that coaches are talking about the defensive side of the ball, they seem to be pretty high on our defensive line and very high on our secondary. If we can keep Kendall Adams healthy, I mean, I think he's the linchpin of our defense. And so, and with the pass-happy nature of the Big 12, that really puts a lot of pressure on safeties. And so if we can uh, keep Adams healthy, I'll, I'll feel okay about us. Um, and I'm a little encouraged with the uh, change in coaches just because I hope that our defensive philosophy changes because our bend but don't break defense. Uh, sure did a lot of bending. <laughs> it did a lot of bending and a lot of breaking too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, was. if you if you look at our numbers last year, uh, you know how they have some of those advanced stats that you know Connolly and Ian Boyd do. Sure, uh, they showed that we were actually very prone to giving up the big play. Uh, we gave up tons. Yeah, and, I mean, and if if your bend but don't break defense is giving up huge chunks of yardage, then what's it doing? Yeah, and... It's just bending and breaking. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that was kind of the whole thing, is we'll let you move the ball between the 20s, is kind of always the the philosophy, and then we'll clamp up there. And, you know, that has worked for us uh, to, to, however, what success you want to, you know, give that to. Uh, But also our pace of play determines a lot of our defensive numbers when you look at points per game, which... Uh, I know you're not a fan of, but one it's thing trash. one thing I uh, am also looking forward to is just seeing what we can be in terms of uh, in terms of getting some more pressure on the quarterback. Oftentimes last year, I felt we saw, set back in coverage too often, uh, playing soft cover three, cover four defense, uh, and you know in the Big Twelve with as many talented quarterbacks as we had last year. This year, you know you're losing a few of those guys, but those those quarterbacks are still going to pick you apart if you give them. You know, five, six, seven seconds to to scan the scan the field, and and find a read. So, I think uh, I would love to see a little bit more uh, press coverage, a little bit more blitzing in, in when the situation calls for it. And I'm certainly hoping that we see uh, that we see some of that uh, with Blake Siler and uh, Brian Norwood calling the defense. I know it, it sounds like from uh, from what we've heard that uh, that Siler will be the kind of lead dog there, but. Uh, some new, some new blood here on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and on Norwood, I when we hired him, I, I didn't like it. I I looked at his defensive numbers at Tulsa, and they were pretty pedestrian. And I was thinking, well, what's what's this guy? Uh, what's he gonna add to us? But, mm-hmm. um, all reports on him have been very high, and he's got very high marks in recruiting. The team seems to love him. Um, so I'm my opinion of him is kind of changed just based on the I guess relatively unimportant factors of what he does in the offseason but sure. uh I just hope like you said I hope that Siler and Norwood they just aren't afraid to take chances because listen teams are teams in the big 12 they're gonna get their shots in at you you're not you're not unless you're TCU and have just this remarkable defense you're not going to be holding teams to fewer than you know 25 points a game over the course of Sure. Of, of a conference season, so take some chances, take dial up some blitzes, get them behind the sticks. But I, I'm hopeful that we don't uh, do the same philosophy where we just pretend that the yards between the 20s or 40s uh, are unimportant. Sure. No, I think, and I think with that, 
we have some experience in the defensive backfield, which should allow you to take some more chances with some blitzing. Uh, you know, it's an experienced group. Uh, Duke, or, uh, Duke Shelley, uh, he's been playing since he was a true freshman. Uh, and then you have A.J. Parker, who got some time last year. Uh, Goolsby back there in the, in the secondary, as well as uh, uh, Kendall Adams, who, as you mentioned, is kind of the, the one real, I would say, almost indispensable player on our defense. If he goes down of, against South Dakota... Just, just be cash good. those under tickets right there. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be good. And I think that you know what with what we have on defense in the defensive backfield, it should allow uh, for some more pressure to be to be applied. So I'm I'm hopeful we'll see that. Um, well, enough about kind of the the coaching changes in the offseason. One one thing that did not change is Coach Snyder uh, is is back for another season here at uh, at K State. Uh, but he did have uh, one moment that. Uh, Provide a little bit of a lighthearted uh, moment for for the fans, anyway. Uh, this season uh, in uh, in spring practice press conference, uh, as he misidentified uh, Sebastian Taylor for Carlos Strickland, uh, with Carlos Strickland leaving the program, uh, transferring out. Uh, there was some talk that is he back? Is he not back? Uh, when when uh, when a member of the media had asked if. Uh, if Carlos Strickland was making some plays in practice, or if he was still with the program, and uh, he he misidentified uh, Sebastian Taylor for Carlos Strickland. That was a fun hour and a half where we were all saying, well, "Yeah, hey, look, all right, we got a guy back. <laughs> Our receiving right. core is going to be pretty uh, got some size on it next year." But uh, wasn't the case. Wasn't the case. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to get into. Uh, our season preview here of K-State as we look uh, kind of at some general ex- expectations, what the fan base should be expecting, as well as some offensive and defensive player to watch, and then, uh, most importantly, our game-by-game uh, game game predictions. We'll be back after this on the short side option. We're back here on the short side option uh, as we're going to do our season preview here. Uh, we kind of touched a little bit in the last segment about uh, the coaching staff changes and, and kind of what happened in the offseason. But now uh, here as the season's uh, just a few days away, uh, we're going to get into our season predictions. Uh, we'll, we'll just kind of go start off here with what, uh, what would be the, the fan base's expectations going. And Drew, what do you feel is realistic for this team? I think – I think a an optimistic but realistic thought is nine and three. I mean, I think that you figure, okay, we're going to be dogs in probably four, five games, five or six, uh, depending on kind of how things go. Of course, I know in some of the in some of what's available online for you to to look at future you know future lines. Uh, about a touchdown dog to Texas, about a 10-point do- uh, dog to TCU, I think a 17-point dog uh, to OU, about a 5- to 6-point dog to uh, the dogs of Mississippi State. Um, and then, you know, with West Virginia, probably about a touchdown dog there. So there's probably dogs at Iowa State too. Yeah, about a 4-point dog to Iowa State. Now, granted, those, you know, 4- to 7-point, you know, uh, underdog games. It's not uncommon for for a team to rip off one. You expect you expect one of those to probably go your way, uh, but you know, needless to say, I think the season win total was anywhere from six to six and a half, depending on 
on uh, when and where you look. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, if you, if a team goes six and six, I don't think you could classify that as much uh, of a season to get too excited about. No, and I, I think that K State, the majority of K State fans' expectations are uh, six and six would be a pretty big disappointment. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it certainly would be for me, just because we have a fairly experienced bunch. Um, aside from, I mean, even the quarterback position, it's these guys aren't technically first-year starters anymore. Um, but, and the one thing I'll always use for for a baseline of of how bad a six and six team can be is that twenty fifteen team because that twenty fifteen team and it it, it had a, we were very young uh, in a lot of positions we were completely inexperienced at quarterback and. We were inexperienced at quarterback going in that season, and then when Jesse Ertz leaves in the first series against uh, South Dakota, oh. uh, hopefully nothing like that happens this week. Um, but once he left, uh, it, it really put us behind the eight ball with with uh, Cody Cook being our most effective quarterback that season, who you know started out as probably our second or third wide receiver. So well, that one w- thing about that 2015 team, though. Didn't have a Mississippi State in that out. That's true. They, that's true. But they did have a Louisiana Tech who was – that was a heck of a game there. With uh, Was that a triple overtime or double it, overtime? It, it was a triple overtime, 39-33. Uh, Thriller. State pulled it out. But but they also had to go down to San Antonio and play the beep beeps down in the Alamo Dome. And, you know, uh, UTSA makes their appearance on the 2018 schedule too. So, you know, two of the, two of the three – I don't think I knew that. Two of the three uh, – out of conference opponents are the same from 2015 to 2018. So yeah, and the third are they're both extreme southeast powers. Yeah, exactly. And I mean they're, the they're, Bulldogs. They're, they're both Bulldogs. They're they're in neighboring states. There's a lot of parallels between between uh, this non-conference schedule and the 2015 non-conference schedule. So and in particular between Louisiana Tech and Mississippi State. Yeah, they're they're identical. Pretty much the identical mirror images. Yeah, they're pretty much identical and. That's the kind of schedule analysis you only get here on the short side option, folks. Uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, I think, and to, just to echo your your sentiments there, I think anything less than, I think 7-5 and five would be the, I think that would be the minimum bar to cross, to have what people would say is like, a successful season. I think that's even, and I think that's even stretching. I think 8-4 and four, people would say, okay, that was a good season. Yeah, I, I think people can live with a seven and five season. Sure, uh, especially with if if our offense looks good. If it if it gives the flashes that two thousand one gave people, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. If, if we have if we go out and Thompson or Delton has an L. Roberson Oklahoma two thousand one thing where people could say, okay, this this twenty eighteen campaign was. Fine, but but we've got bigger but, and better yeah. things to look forward to. And you know, I think a lot of that too. And as we're we're going to get here into kind of the offense and defensive side of the ball, but when you look at uh, the depth chart uh, that was released recently, and you know, just from what you know, folks that follow recruiting and folks that follow you know where where K State is in terms of class sizes, there's not a lot of seniors uh, up and down our two deep on either the offensive or defensive side of the ball. So, you know, you want to think that this is building towards something pretty special in 2019, 2020, but, 
you know, I, I think it would be discounting this team short, uh, as you do have some really talented upperclassmen. Uh, Dalton Risner uh, could be a um, could be a first round pick. I've seen him in some mock drafts go in the first round, uh, but definitely gonna keep the streak alive for K State. Uh, but you know, there's there's uh, some also some players like too, uh, Duke Shelley, Kendall Adams. Uh, I'd be surprised if if all three of those did not end up on either first or second team All Big Twelve. Uh, wow! At the, at the end of the season, Duke, Duke. Yeah, I, I really I really think he could. Uh, and you know, also he's going to have a little bit of an expanded role this year. It looks like with his uh, with his kick return and maybe punt return duties. Yeah. So that's true. He he could show up on a specialist. Uh, I think he could make with, it as a cornerback too. I'm yeah. not I'm not trying to discount him his ability as a cornerback either. He uh. I, he needs to. He was fine in coverage, but if he's going to be the cornerback for us to cover those uh, cover those other teams' wide receivers, top wide receivers, then I'd like. I'm a. If he ends up on the first team or second team All Big Twelve list, I'll be very happy with him. Yeah. No, and I think too that he really had. It was a bit of a rough start for him last season, as he was. Getting picked on a lot because DJ Reed was on the other side, and uh, he was getting a lot of a lot of balls thrown his way, and it wasn't always pretty. He had a couple penalties. I I know he was he was being targeted a lot in that Vanderbilt game, uh, is one that really does stick out to me. But during the second half of the season, as DJ Reed was uh, a little hobbled by injury, really performed well and was pretty pretty darn salty back there. Uh, had a pick six against Texas Tech. That uh, who could forget that? Of course. Oh, it was. Iconic. It was an iconic moment, uh, not only in the in the 2017 season, but in K State football history. Yeah. So I, uh, I I think I have high expectations for him. It goes, it goes Ted Sims. It goes Bobby Walker. Bobby Walker. Bobby Walker again. <laughs> and then it goes Duke, baby. That was that was a big. Where time. were you? Where were you? I was, I was right on the couch, watching that game here with uh, a couple of buddies and. Man, this place turned into a madhouse when that happened. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'll absolutely. tell you that much. Well, uh, so you know, we talked about Duke Shelley. He's kind of a player for me to watch uh, on on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what uh, what what players are catching your eye on the defensive side of the ball that either someone that you're expecting a big year out of, or you know, maybe someone that's maybe a little bit under heralded that uh, you know makes his way in the starting lineup, or or be is a key producer as a sub. Well. I th- one guy I'm pretty excited about is AJ Parker. Um, I th- his role last year, he had some nice plays. Um, in you know his limited role, um, but I I've heard good things about him. I want to see him step up and become uh, a solid contributor, uh, and I think he can. Um, then uh, Walter is it Walter Neal Jr. Walter Neal Jr. He's uh, he's somebody else that the uh, a lot of you see a lot of quotes about from the guys uh, from the spring and in uh, fall practices so far. But uh, those two, I think, uh, are going to be pretty important for us uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I I echo that thing about or what you said about AJ Parker. Uh, he's got some good size. Uh, for a cornerback, uh, you know, a little bit uh, taller guy, a little bit longer wings, so to speak. I think he's going to be 
what you know, he's really not an inside cornerback, and they, they did try utilizing him in that in that role as the nickelback a little bit last year. He's definitely more of a boundary corner, and I think you know alongside. I think he's going to kind of get that same treatment that, that Duke Shelley got last year. Uh, not saying that people, people picking on him. Yeah, I don't think people are going to you know not still throw the ball towards Duke's way, but I think they're definitely going to. Let's try AJ Parker out first. Let's uh, let's see what the new guy you know as because Duke Shelley's played a lot of football uh, here at K State. He's played a lot played a lot of football. Started for three years pretty much exclusively. Yeah, he's kind of a known product at yeah, this point. Yeah, he, he's a known commodity. And I think that uh, I think that AJ Parker might get the might get the first shot from a lot of teams uh, when they go through the air. But and that's what I would do. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's definitely a probably going to be something we see here early on. Maybe not so much against South Dakota, but uh, as we get into conference play and, and against Mississippi State. Uh, let's switch to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, what's what catches your eye there as, as terms of players that you either uh, would like to. Or that you think are going to surprise some folks, or you know, going to be uh, maybe disappointing. What what do you see there? You know, I I'm pretty pumped up about Shown, man. I think he's got he's got the size, he's got the speed. I mean, maybe it's just that long catch against Texas that he had last year. But man, I think I've watched that probably thirty times. Uh, in the offseason, just that one play where he's streaking down from right to left. And, man, he gets separation once he has the ball with that second, with that Texas secondary. And it's maybe this is cliche. I'm sure it is. But, man, the he, next. He's, the, he's 27, baby. Just he, change his number to 27 right now. Call him Jordy Nelson because that's what he is. Okay. that's that. I think that's... Uh, that might have been repeated by a few people, but you know what? I I, th- I dig it. I dig you going out there and saying it. He's hey, he's thousand yard receiver this year. Wow. No, that's I don't okay. think so. Um, but I do think I do think that um, he, he's going to be very good. Uh, the injury last year kept him hidden, yep. I think, to a degree. Yep. And so, uh, but man, that that catch again, that catch and run against Texas. Well, he had a couple of big catch and runs. Well, the, the Texas one. The Texas one, he got he got six on, but. Do not forget the Central Arkansas game. Where who he, could? Who could? As he uh, as he had a nice long touchdown run against, or uh, on a on a nice little catch and run there as the half ended, uh, with Ertz finding him kind of down the seam. He also had a big catch against Texas Tech uh, as mm-hmm. we as we drove down and. Um, hey, you know who else had a big catch against Texas Tech? Jordy. Texas I, Tech. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Early on. Am I misremembering this? I'm I'm talking early retro Jordy, just wow. fresh off being a safety Jordy. Man, if that happened, I I certainly don't recall it. But uh, he probably did. He probably yeah. He, I'm sure he did. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yeah. I, I mean, he's still catching. He caught so many passes in the NFL. You know, I'm sure he. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm just thinking about those catches and mm. obviously him beating Talib and and this one just gets lost in the shuffle of his. Numerous uh, fantastic uh, catches and, and runs there for Jordy Nelson. Uh, one player I know I touched on him earlier uh, here in our in our podcast, uh, but I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what Dalvin Warmack can do under this new uh, offensive regime. 
Uh, him being listed as uh, the second running back behind Alex Barnes is something that kind of caught my eye. Uh, did that surprise you? Yeah, I really would have expected Sillman just based on the number of touches they got last year. And also, I mean, Warmack just seemed to kind of get lost in the shuffle last year. And so, uh, yeah, I would... I was surprised by that, and but I it's, I think it's pretty intriguing. Like we talked touched on earlier, I mean, I really see him as a guy they want to get the ball to in space. I think he makes yep. a lot of sense if if we decide to ever implement screen passes again. That uh, would be that would be something new. That would be a, a throwback for us at this point. But I think it makes a lot of sense to give him there. Um, yeah, I, if nothing else, I would have expected him to be our quote unquote change of pace back. Sure, and I think that. Uh, the workhorses, so to speak, uh, would really be Barnes and Sillman. I expected Barnes to be getting probably 50% of our total carries, Sillman to be getting 30, and uh, Warmack to be getting the other 20. But it sounds like, uh, based on our depth chart, and who knows how much stock you can put into that, but it sounds like Warmack's going to be getting a, a, a larger haul than I expected him to get. Over under... When you look at when we when we ho- have the season review podcast, when we have all the numbers in front of us, over or under, we're gonna go. We're gonna make it a, a half here, so you can't push. Eight and a half touches per game for Dalvin Warmack. That's a good line. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna say under. That's a safe bet. Yeah, I, I, I think I don't envision him getting six carries a game. I don't see him getting more than two catches per game. But I, I do think that six or seven touches will probably be about right. Yeah, I think I think eight and a half is probably about right. I mean, that's what about what I would think is I think eight. I would probably go eight when when you look at it by the end of, end of the end of the season. I think they're going to try using him in, in the uh, in the screen game more like we talked about. But, you know, I think also too like in terms of swing passes out of, out of the uh, out of the backfield and also the Wildcat as as he had some exposure to last year is something That's I could definitely uh, see him racking up some some touches, but that will definitely be something we can look at later on uh, in the season and with with the change in offensive philosophy who knows what we'll see. Yeah, so, well, here's a question for you. Who, who do you think gets more carries, uh, or let's say more touches, uh, Warmack or Sillman? I'd go Warmack. I'm going to say Sillman. Okay. We disagree I, here. I, I think I just don't quite buy what that depth chart's selling at this point. Oh, I think sure. I think Sillman's going to be uh, going to be getting uh Probably more the load, especially because, you know, Barnes is a little injury prone. Yeah, and we we certainly. And I say injury prone. Maybe that's unfair, but he, he has he's been. Had some, he's had up. some dicks. Yeah, had some dicks and dings, and of course, uh, depending on how well uh, or how closely you follow uh, the Kansas State football program, it does appear like Mike McQuay uh, will not be available. Anytime soon. Uh, you heard it here first on the short side option. Yes, of course. We're breaking news here uh, that he. It doesn't sound like he's uh, going to be part of the backfield rotation uh, due to some health reasons. Uh, don't quite know what that is, but uh, we certainly wish the best for Mike. It would have been would have been great to have him back there as uh, 
as as another capable running back in, in what is already you have three guys that have had uh, with Barnes, uh, Silman, and Warmack that have had some some real experience and uh, getting McCoy in there would have been would have been really nice. Oh man, yeah, everybody everybody remembers that play against Charlotte yep. that where he just bulldozed that poor chump, yeah. that poor 49er. But, uh, yeah, so I was, I was looking forward to seeing more of that and seeing how his career would play out. But um, unfortunate uh, that for him especially, but uh, also unfortunate for K-State fans everywhere that they're not going to get the chance to, uh, to uh, see more of those highlight uh, truckings. Yeah, that was that was certainly a play that stuck out. Uh, when, whenever you think about, uh, whenever you think about uh, Mike McCoy, that's the that's the one that comes to mind for sure. So, well, we kind of touched on the offensive defensive side of the ball here. Let's get to what everyone wants to know: is how many games is K State going to win this year? And uh, I guess first of all, you didn't have anything you want to add further about offensive defensive. We didn't already cover. We I think we covered. Everything. I don't think we left a single stone unturned. Uh, apparently, we're going to be throwing to the tight ends more. Uh, like I said, I. Oh, here's a question for you. Um, over under. Ooh, this could be good. Over under Alex Barnes touchdowns to tight interceptions. Who has oh, more? the over? Okay. Okay. I'm, <laughs> no, I. I so I, I, Alex Barnes is gonna have like forty touchdowns no, Bar- this year, and and the Barnes. receivers are gonna have like thirty five yeah. catches for five hundred yards. We're just gonna run the tight end seam route yeah. d- down the field all day, and we're gonna just have the best offense in the country. No, I. I now that we live in Missouri, I'm more of a show me guy now, and so yeah, that's uh, a good point. You have um, to show us. Yeah, show us. But no, I'm going to go with. Uh, Barnes touchdowns over a tight end reception. Well, hopefully Alex Barnes sets such a high touchdown mark that that even Justin Swift couldn't get there. Brian Casey. Brian Casey wouldn't <laughs> even be able to touch that. So, all right, well, we'll go here now down the line. Uh, I've got the schedule in front of me. Uh, with uh, The season, of course, starts with South Dakota. September 1st at Fort Snyder. Uh, we've got uh, the South Dakota Coyotes coming into uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Should be an easy win for K-State. Uh, how, how, how many points are we going to win by? I bet we win somewhere in the range of – we're going to have some wonky offensive score just because our uh, our special teams aren't going to quite be ironed out yet. I wouldn't be surprised to see us miss an extra point or two just while uh, we're getting everything put together. So I'd say we win that game – between 30 and 40 points is a save. I'll go with something like 47 to 20. 47, okay. 17. Giving up some points to the, to the Coyotes. Yeah, some some new faces. Okay. And they, and they get some garbage. They get some garbage time. Well, if we're playing our second second string and third string, that's that's what you that's fine. If they're if they're scoring against that, but if the starting defense gives up 23 points, I'll be a little nervous. Uh, so we've got K-State winning that game. And a little quick note here uh, in regard to uh, K-State in the opening game. I just thought of this the other day. In, in opening uh, season openers at home, home openers, I guess I should say. Not in 2001. T- in 2015, Morgan Burns' house is the opening kickoff. 
2017, obviously 2016, we played at Stanford. In 2017, DJ Reed brings it down to the five. Does Duke do it? Does Duke get all the way to the end zone? Here's a bet. Should South Dakota just take the legal procedure? Just, just kick it out of bounds. I think that's the safe, conservative move. Might be the smart move. Time will tell. Might be the smart move there. Okay, so it goes from South Dakota to, you know, getting... The getting, one everybody's looking for. Yeah, the one, it's probably the best game on the schedule in terms of... In terms of certainly uh, the home schedule, in ter- in, yeah, well, yes, in terms of the home schedule, definitely, and I think that's what I think most K State fans are looking forward to is is a test right out of the gate, um, pretty well, with Mississippi State, an experienced team, uh, preseason anywhere from seeing them in about every I've seen them in every top twenty five poll, uh, anywhere from I've seen as low as maybe like a twenty. To as high as they, I think I saw number thirteen or so, uh, in in uh, in you know one uh, like an AP rider. voter. I don't know if it was an AP voter or not. It might have just been one of those way too early polls that you know they've they've reneged on that since then. But uh, what what do you uh, how do you see this game going? This is going to be a tough one for K State. I see us losing. Um, although I will say that that my mind was made up on that when I thought. It made the most sense to have Delton be the starter all season. I thought when I thought Delton was going to be the one uh, primarily taking snaps, and he, he might turn out to be. But uh, I thought, man, I do not like us trying to run the ball against that front seven, which has probably two of the top ten defensive linemen in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I know our offensive line is pretty good. Uh, maybe very good. I mean, I've seen some publications rank us at having the 10th uh, best offensive line in the country. But I didn't like the idea of our offensive strength being the defense's strength. Um, I thought that spelled disaster. And I'm not completely sold on our defense yet. So I think I still uh, would favor Mississippi State in that. I think the line is a about right. I think we keep it probably within a score. Yeah, I have us losing this game as well. Uh, I think I think I saw a actually I don't think I saw I know I saw uh, a Todd McShay top of the top 150 draft draft eligible players this year. Alabama, surprise surprise, had the most uh, top 150 on his, on his initial here. board. Yeah, believe it or not. They 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 have some talented players there, apparently. Hmm. Who knew? Uh, but they, I think they had eight, seven or eight. Number two on the list was Mississippi State. Got a lot of talent. New coach. New coach. And that is something that, that, would, that would give me a little bit of pause if I was a Mississippi State fan coming in here because this is your first game on the road uh, with a new coach. A uh, little bit of a new offense, a uh, little bit more of a of a spread. They were running the spread under Dan Mullen, of course, but more a uh, little bit more of a power run uh, with with what uh, Joe Moorhead did uh, at Penn State. A little bit more spread out, uh, getting it out to the wide receivers. A little bit more prolific of a passing attack. So we'll see what they're able to do. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald's a talented quarterback. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but he's been suspended for the first game of the season against uh, Stephen F. Austin, which don't sleep on the Lumberjacks. Brad Underwood's still coaching that team. That's right. Uh, and they've got 
then they they go on the road uh, to Kansas State as their second game, of course. So Nick Fitzgerald last year uh, into the season uh, with a with a broken ankle against uh, Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. So this will be his first live game action since coming off what was a pretty significant injury for him. So it'll be interesting to see if there's much rust with him. Uh, obviously, an experienced quarterback, uh, senior quarterback. You think he'll be fine, but definitely something to monitor. I've got K-State losing this game, something along the lines of 27-17, 27-21, something like that. Sounds about right. Uh, I think it's a game K-State can definitely be competitive in. Uh, probably need to get a big non-offensive score, whether it's uh, kick return, punt return, uh, pick six, whatever the case is. Uh, we're going to have to probably – uh, reaching the bag of tricks, maybe a little bit on offense to be creative. Maybe open up the playbook. Maybe open up the playbook just just a bit, just a bit. We don't want to expose it too much yet, but uh, it would be a huge boon if K State could could get that win against Mississippi State. I, I think, think, yeah, doing that I think would set the fan base. Thinking that this could, yeah, yeah. thinking that could be a special year. And I think that they'd be right. I mean, yeah. if if we finish our non-con three and zero, not to discount. UTSA, because we haven't talked about them yet. But if, if we can beat Mississippi State and go into conference play undefeated, then I am going to say anything is possible with this. Sure. Because I mean, all of a sudden, OU looks like a team. Oh, oh we could hang with OU. Well, and that's and the thing, too. Hang with West Virginia. And so it, I just won't be – my dauber won't be down on, on our team at all, and I'll see every game as a possibility. Yeah, with OU, they have so much uh, – so much unknown. We'll get to them later, but yeah, a win against Mississippi State would really, uh, really bump up expectations among among the fan base. Uh, maybe seven and five, six and six is what you were thinking before. A win against Mississippi State has you thinking you can get to the to the Big Twelve championship game. And then anything's possible. And then anything's possible at that point. So uh, we'll move on to the next game. Uh, UTSA. Um, I don't Crush. think I don't think much time needs to be spent on this. We both have K State winning. We that got game. them at home this year, man. Yeah, we do. We don't have to go to the Alamo Dome, uh, where we've had some bad. I haven't had a lot of success there, really. When you think about it, no. no. I don't yeah. think we've had any zero. We're over. Well, we beat UTSA. Well, other than UTSA, how many, UCLA? And oh, that's right. Purdue. And yeah, the other one. So, uh, but you know, the Alamo Dome held the Royal Rumble last year. I think. Oh, did it really? I think so. Who? Uh, who's the last man standing there? Uh, I think it was uh, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt. I think it was Randy, Randy Orton. I think you're right. I think it was Randy Orton. Uh, the RKO out of nowhere. It, it's so so common for us now. Yeah. It's commonplace now. But now K State finishes up the non-con two and one. We both got them there. Uh, going on the road to West Virginia. Going to be uh, it's. <laughs> West Virginia is the team we've let off the hook the last two years, in my, in my eyes. Uh, obviously, in 2016, again, we had no business losing, uh, and that was on the road in Morgantown. 2017, but left boy, a we're, we're really going to miss Dana Dimmel, huh? Yeah. Uh, that was not his best second half of play calling, for sure. Uh, but that 2017 game also, too, that was another... Maybe it's just someone against West Virginia where, where Dana really kind of struggles because the end of the half last year, the end of the first half, could not have gone any poor. Is it a fullback screen? No, I don't know if it was a fullback screen, but it was a it was a 
screen to somebody. It was a screen to somebody, and Thompson threw the interception. Uh, West Virginia is on the outskirts of field goal range with like 10 seconds left. And instead of going qu- like with something quick, you know, to, to get a few extra yards closer for, the, uh, for their kicker, they air it out on kind of a broken play. Where case that you're when when I'm seeing this from my vantage point, I'm like, okay, perfect. The time's gonna run out here. We're gonna knock the ball down. We're gonna avoid giving up any points here uh, before the end of the half. And not only do they throw a hail mary, like they threw a hail mary to a guy that was standing alone. Boom. And, 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 yeah, and then, and then they got booed <laughs> off the field. So, Boom. which was unfortunately somewhat deserving because that was that was pretty poor. So yeah. Drew, this is a game I feel like we might have a disagreement on. Um, yeah, I think West Virginia is going to beat us. I know that. Um, I know that people. Uh, West Virginia is kind of the sexy off-season pick for the uh, um, for the conference championship, and but it's also you're getting some backlash because almost the sexier pick now is saying, "Oh, West Virginia is not going to be that good." Um, yeah. And so, but. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that they may not be world beaters. Um, I'm not sure if uh, Holgerson's going to really have the defense to uh, to really com- legitimately compete um, for the conference crown. But uh, I think they're still going to be a pretty good team. I think Greer is uh, a very capable quarterback, and uh, I think that they're going to get the better of us out in Morgantown. Offensively, they return the most firepower in the conference. I don't think there's any question Clearly. about that. Uh, defensively, uh, not so much. Defensively, they've always been a pretty gamey unit. Uh, you know, a unit that'll turn you turn you over, uh, get some pressure on you. But uh, you know, this year it's just going to be. You almost feel like they're going to have to to win by outscoring folks, and that's something that they're definitely capable of doing uh, with Will Greer, David Sills back there tossing the pill around. Right, and. and- on to your point, last year OU showed that that's a recipe that can work. You you can you don't necessarily have to have uh, a great defense or even an average defense to uh, win the conference if if your offense has enough firepower. Sure. I but I don't think that Greer is quite as transcendental as uh, as uh, the OU offense was last year and so I, I but that said I do think that uh, they're they're gonna beat us out there yeah and this is where we disagree I'm I'm giving a case state a win here I think uh, I kind of really wanted to pick us to beat Mississippi State but the matchup there I like the matchup better with West Virginia than I do Mississippi State even though Mississippi State's at home so I'm going with a win against the Mountaineers in Morgantown. I think that defense is going to struggle a little bit. And going into this game, West Virginia could already have a loss on their on their schedule, uh, just as we're predicting for K-State. Uh, starting off the season, uh, Tennessee uh, in Charlotte, um, Youngstown State uh, at home, nothing, nothing too much to, to worry about there. But they go on the road at NC State uh, the week before they play K-State. Uh, you know, NC State, the Wolfpack. They lost a lot, though. They did, but it should be a pretty good team out of the ACC this year. Uh, you know, West Virginia will have uh, will have some tests early on in those first three games before they before uh, K State hooks up with them. We should know. We should have a decent idea of what both teams are going into that game. I mean, I think that if 
if both teams are undefeated at that point, uh, it wouldn't shock me. And if both teams had uh, a loss at that point, it wouldn't shock me either. Um, so either it's going to be a premier game or it's going to be a game between two uh, expected to be middling Big 12 teams. Sure. And uh, just to kind of provide some context here, West Virginia is returning five starters on defense. Uh, so about half their defense is coming back from a defense that was you know pretty well middle of the road last year. We'll see. We'll see what they're able to do this year because if they do get that defense figured out with Tony Gibson, uh, they're going to be uh, a very tough out for anyone in the Big 12. If, if their defense is uh, a top four unit in the conference, then uh, I think that the Mountaineers are probably going to be your Big 12 champions. Well, yeah, and all that has to do is just get to the get to the um, conference championship game against OU, and you'll. You'll take that offense in, in a one-game thing, in a one-game situation against anyone. But uh, moving on here, uh, K-State comes home against the University of Texas in a game that, well, shoot here, we've got K-State. I've got them at 3-1. and one, You've got them at 2-2. Two and two. Could be a kind of a make-or-break game for the trajectory of the season if they're at 2-2 two and two, uh, facing what – uh, some people are projecting as uh, another team that could compete for a conference title. Yeah, I think those people are out of their gourd a little bit. I mean, but you're right. I, I do think that uh, for me at least, Texas is a huge make or break game um, because I do expect us to be two and two at that time. Um, and it's a home game against, a, at worst, a top five or six conference team. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I'm, yeah. Others would say, oh, this is a top four conference team, at least. Uh, not quite ready to go that far, but a very competent team, um, but a very beatable team, too. A team that K-State, if they want to win seven games this year, I think they they have to be counting on Texas as, as one of those seven. And so I, I do expect us to win this game. I think that we will bounce back uh, after West Virginia. Um, it being at Fort Snyder helps a lot. Um, but, uh, and just, we played them toe-to-toe last year, and by all rights, we, we, I mean, we got some breaks on special teams, and then sure. got screwed on special teams later, uh, but I, I think that we're going to be good enough to beat Texas at home. Yep, I, I'm with you. I think this is a win for K-State, too. Uh, I've got us now at 4-1. Uh, the one thing that I really... I'm just don't really buy that Texas has a quarterback still. Uh, until I see something from uh, Sam Eleanor, I to me he's he's tough as nails. He's he's a you know apparently a, a great leader, all that. I I just don't see enough consistency throwing the ball. He just kind of sucks. <laughs> like you're wow, you're going like, there, throwing the S word. No, right. I mean I'm, I I just I'm with you. I mean maybe he's good, but he hasn't really proven that yet and i'm not particularly frightened of him yeah he just seems like another chapter in the book of who can be the next colt mccoy yeah he uh you know i just get the real david ash feel from uh from sam sam ellinger oh he's total david ash total david ash just you know and also too ellinger had some good games i i know he, he put up some good numbers against ou but Take that with a grain of salt. Uh, that OU defense, uh, 
was nothing really to be too fearful of. So uh, moving on here, uh, kind of reaching uh, the halfway point here. Uh, game number six on the road in Waco against Baylor. Uh, Baylor, a, a team that you know some folks, I know they're Vegas uh, over-under set at four, four and a half. Or, excuse me, set at six. But I've seen uh, some uh, Baylor fans. I was listening to uh, the game on KMAN, and they had a guy on there that's their their Baylor insider that had was not as bullish on the Bears. Ah, uh, how about that? Uh, not as bullish on uh, on what Baylor's got this year. Uh, he was more along the lines of four and eight, uh, rather than getting to that uh, bowl eligible six and six mark. Obviously, a team that only won a game a year ago, uh, beating KU. Uh, what what do you see going on here? I don't. I think Baylor is going to be at the bottom of the conference again this year. I, I have their only conference win against KU. Um, maybe Rule's going to get them in order here this year. And and I know that they did have some close games last year, most notably against OU. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I don't see Baylor. Uh, rebounding in, in the way that a lot of people do. I uh, I think K-State goes down there and wins by two scores at least. I, I see this game the same way as you. I think uh, Baylor's probably a year or two away uh, from really kind of getting back into that top half of the Big 12 uh, uh, conversation. Uh, I think Matt Rule is a good coach. Uh, do you remember when he got approached by the Colts this offseason to be their head man? No, I did not catch it. I believe he even interviewed. Really? So, you know, with the, the situation... a weird Gene Chizik type of, what did you do last year? Why are you getting this? Yeah, why, why are you being considered? Why are we thinking about making you a head coach in the NFL? But the one thing that I really am anxious to see is they have recruited well, and they've gotten some good talent on there, but with the situation of Baylor, and, and obviously last year was, was going to be really tough for him. I think everyone knew that going in. Uh, it, it is going to be a three or four year process before they're really back in the in competing for for uh, for a conference title uh, as they were doing uh, towards the the uh, end of the Art Bryles era, of course. So I've got K State winning that game uh, at the halfway point. You have them at four and two. I've got them at five and one. And one last note on Baylor: they they do play uh, UTSA in the sure. out of conference this uh, yeah. this year. So. I don't know how into common opponents you are. Oh, but I'm very into it. <laughs> yeah. I am. I am really into that. But I will be. I might revise my prediction if they beat UTSA by more than we beat UTSA. Yeah, if they beat UTSA by 21 and we only beat them by 14, I'm I'm switching. Yeah, so I, we're reserving I'm, our right to do yeah, that. Yeah, I'm definitely. I the transitive property is the only property for me. That's what counts. So after the Baylor game, uh, K State comes home against Oklahoma State, and there's kind of a Interesting note here about Oklahoma State. They could very easily be, I believe they'll be favored in every game up until that point. Uh, They have a very friendly, I shouldn't say soft, but a very friendly. They do have to play Boise State, who's probably the best team in uh, the group of five at this point in time. Uh, are you forgetting the defending national hey, champions? I'm, I'm full aware of the, uh, the UCF Knights, but new head coach... Uh, maybe some sunshine. Uh, 
falls off that uh, mythical national championship trophy that they're that they're clinging to. NCAA recognized national championship. Yeah, trophy. yeah, yeah. I, I I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that. But hey, you know, if I was a UCF fan, I would be I'd be clinging to it too. I am a UCF fan, and I am. You're clinging to it. it. That's right, and you know that's that's your prerogative. It's yeah, your prerogative. Um, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I expect uh, Oklahoma State to be undefeated when we play them, which uh, for some reason is flying under the radar a lot. Just the way their funky schedule is going to be going, I expect them to be ranked um, when we play them because I expect them to be 6-0 and when we play them. Um, and so to that end, I think this is going to be a game between uh, an opponent K-State faces that's going to be overrated because I don't, think Oklahoma State's all that good this year. I think they're good enough to beat Boise State, but but I I would I expect us to be uh, better than them. And moreover, I expect them to lose, uh, almost lose out. Uh, really? I have them losing to OU at TCU against West Virginia, against us, and against Texas. So, so I have them losing five out of their last six games. Yeah, that would definitely take the shine off of what would be a promising season because I've got the uh, Oklahoma State schedule pulled up right now, and I'm seeing, let's see here, Missouri State at home, South Alabama at home, Boise State at home, Texas Tech at home, KU on the road, Iowa State at home, and then they they travel to Manhattan against K-State. Is that the softest first six games out of any Power 5 team? Well, I mean, you have to look at it, too. You get five of them at home. And where are they traveling to the other one? Uh, They're... They're traveling uh, to Mount Oread. Snob Hill. Snob Hill. Lawrence. So it would be tough. I think Boise State has to be the toughest the toughest game out of those two. Uh, for me, Oklahoma State will be undefeated uh, coming into Manhattan. And if things break right, K-State maybe pulls an upset against uh, West Virginia and Mississippi State. Do you smell game day? No. Okay. <laughs> I doubt yeah. it. Okay. But I do smell a, the type of performance that – would conjure up memories of 2002 Iowa State, a team that's that's a little overrated, uh, that comes into Fort Snyder and just gets waxed. Just gets waxed, and there, and gets. revenge is going to be on their mind, of course, because K State won last year for the first time since what '99, correct? And uh, George Williams had a huge game. Oh right yeah, huge, huge. Um, but no, I expect us to be an undefeated and a ranked Oklahoma State team very comfortably. They'll be in the top ten probably. I doubt that. They'll be darn close. I, I think. Where, where are they setting out right now in the AP? I think they're RV. Are um, they? They're. They got to probably be ahead of us though. Yes, they are. I. But I don't think they're in the top twenty-five. Um, let's see here. Well, with with that being said, though they're gonna get some they're gonna get some love uh, with their six and start, but as we're projecting it, but I don't think uh, I think most folks will say, yeah, six and is great, but what have you done in those six wins? Yeah, they're ranked 29th in the country right now, uh, receiving votes. Um, K State is sitting uh, a few spots behind them, but uh, I think I expect them to be in the teens. Uh, probably okay. higher teens, just because I think people are going to be looking at that schedule cockeyed sure. until in until they play a viable Power Five opponent. Sure. So you've got them, you've got K State. It sounds like winning that game by a couple scores. 
Yeah, I I I I expect it to us to win that game and win it fairly comfortably. I'm going a little bit closer. I do expect K State to win that game. I'm gonna go something more like thirty four twenty eight, thirty four or yeah, thirty seven thirty. I I have K State winning by uh, a score, but uh, I I do agree with you. I think uh, they're gonna be a bit of a paper tiger, Oklahoma State, and uh, K State will. How often is it that Whenever you have these kind of big matchups, you know, with a ranked team, and you know whether if K State's the ranked team or the unranked team, where the conversation is, uh, well, K State, yeah, they might have, they might be doing all right, but man, they haven't played anyone this season, and the shoe will be on the other foot in in this game because we'll have played at least, uh, we'll have played three uh, preseason ranked teams by that point. Well, Oklahoma State's not ranked in the preseason. West Virginia. Mississippi State, Texas. Oh, that's true. That's true. And and to that, yeah. So Oklahoma State will probably, assuming Texas uh, takes care of their business and they're out of conference, which I expect them to. Uh, Oklahoma State will probably be our fourth opponent, fourth ranked opponent that we've yeah. played. Uh, what six games, seven games, uh, seven, seven games, games into the season. season. So uh, definitely an easy uh, or definitely a hard part of the schedule for K State, and it it. Uh, it does ease up at, at the end, but uh, we're both giving K-State a win against Oklahoma State, and uh, we're, we're getting, uh, getting K-State into a bye here. Uh, I've got K-State right now 6-1. Six 6-1, and one. Six and one, K-State's uh, probably a top 10 team at that point. Yeah, Top 15 for sure. Mm, that would be... Especially with the one loss to Mississippi State early enough in the season, depending on how Mississippi State does and how they continue to do, that loss could look, you know, could match up against anyone's one loss. But uh, it, it does get pretty tough here for K-State after this bye week. Uh, they go on the road to Norman uh, to face the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, everyone's picking Oklahoma to I shouldn't say everyone, but most folks are picking Oklahoma to be the team to beat again this year in the Big 12. Uh, Drew, how do you see this game going down in Norman, Oklahoma? About like everybody expects it to. I, I think that OU will, will handle us and probably handle us fairly simply. Although, we've had some better luck than you'd expect uh, against o, OU and Norman during Snyder 2.0. So, um, we haven't we, had any luck against them at home. So. No. But, <laughs> but Comparatively, it's it's uh, pretty easy to have luck against them on the road. But we haven't been an easy out down there, even, no. you know, dating back to, was it 2009 yeah. that we played down there? I mean, so I don't know what it is, and maybe, uh, you know, Bill just has the number of those guys. But uh, I think from any objective standpoint, I would expect us to lose by about 17. Oh, so going right at the line. Right at the line. I, I think the one thing with Oklahoma that I'm really interested in is what they do with the quarterback position. Uh, I really am interested to see how Kyler Murray performs. Obviously with him signing the huge baseball contract with the Oakland A's, uh, if he gets an injury, you think he's playing through that? No, and and it's a good point because I think that it's going to be hard for him to to really make himself susceptible to injury if sure. if he's got that in the back of his mind. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him taking some slides maybe before uh, 
I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if he's not the quarterback when we play him. Yeah, it's a good point. So, but it, it's tough to pick K State uh, to go on the road and win in Norman uh, against a team that, even though they lose Baker Mayfield, uh, still has a ton of offensive firepower. I have OU winning the conference and going nine and zero in conference play. So I I have them, and okay. I think that they'll be in the playoff. Okay, well that's that's. I don't have them that high. I don't think I think the Big Twelve gets left out of the playoff this year. I think that Oklahoma loses a little too much, and for me that there's just a bit of the unknown because with Baker Mayfield, you're not only replacing the best player on your team, but one of the best quarterbacks in college football history. That's a bold, bold claim, but I think you're right. Yeah, I, think, I think he's I think... one of the best quarterbacks in college football history. When you look at his list of accomplishments, sure he never won a national title, but uh, two playoff berths uh, for with a the defense that was not helping him. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, guy that's I think he had uh, might want to fact check this, but I believe three Heisman Trophy invites. Yes, I think he's one of the few players and pretty. I mean, obviously an impressive player, but uh, a historically impressive player uh, in my eyes. So we've got we've got K State both uh, both of us have K State losing that game, uh, and then on the road next uh, next week against TCU, things don't get much easier for K State. No, and I have us losing to TCU, too. I think that uh, Gary Patterson um, and the TCU team this year are uh, are going to be right at the top of the conference, too. I mean, really, I think the conference is a three-horse race between West Virginia, TCU, and OU. And I think that's what most, uh, most experts are saying as well. Um, on the road at a good TCU team, I don't see us pulling it out. I do. Oh. I've got us beating TCU. I think that they have a lot of uh, question marks up and down that offensive line. Or not not necessarily the offensive line just uh, as one part, but up and down their offense. Uh, with Sean Robinson taking over uh, at quarterback, uh, you know, I was never a big Kenny Hill fan, Kenny Trill, for, for those uh, so inclined. I thought he, you know, wasn't a great quarterback for him. He – had a nice couple years, but some of his decisions uh, left you kind of scratching your head. I've got K State winning that game, pulling an upset. I uh, can't give it to OU. I uh, can't see us winning that OU game, but with the question marks up and down, uh, TCU on the offensive side of the ball, you know they're going to be good on the defensive side of the ball. They always are under Gary Patterson. Uh, but I think K State, this is a game that they can uh, pull the upset and uh, move the record now uh, to I've got us at 7 and 2. That's right. Where am I? I'm at. Uh, you're you're I'm at, at you're at six and three. Gotcha. Six and three here for for Drew. Seven and two for Chris. Uh, here's the next game on the list. Here we've got KU. I don't know how much time you want to spend on this. None. None. Okay, we'll just mark it down as a winning move on here. And this is kind of the part of the schedule that I really want to get into later in this podcast. But it's a game. That, it's a stretch of the schedule. These next three games: KU, Texas Tech. Iowa State. Iowa State on the road, of course, won't be easy. But well, <laughs> it'll be close. But. It'll, it'll be close, but there will never be a doubt on on who's winning that game. But a, a stretch where K State could really finish off the season with some nice momentum. Uh, I think we both have them uh, well over the uh, the bowl eligible mark. Uh, so we're kind of really playing for bowl position at this point and uh, getting some good momentum uh, through the last part of the season. So we both got K State beating KU. I will say, uh, 
in defense of KU, they have played us relatively close the last couple of years. KU? Yeah. Yeah. Last, uh, last game, year was... A, they had the a, ball down touchdown in the fourth quarter. That, uh, not a good look. Um, not, uh, not comfortable. No, it, it, me it wasn't. Me neither. Um, because ooh, that would have been a disaster. That would have been... That would have really wrecked... Uh, that would have really wrecked my week and month. Year. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I, I'm not... I think anybody being particularly afraid of KU is, uh, is foolish. Silly. Silly. They're wasting their time. They're wasting their time. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the next game on the list, uh, K-State, uh, wraps up their home schedule, uh, with Texas Tech. Uh, it could be an interesting game here. Who will be the coach at Texas Tech when they come to Manhattan? I think Swagwood's still gonna be the coach, uh, down in Lubbock, but... I think it's going to be the last time uh, K-State fans see him coaching uh, as, as Texas Tech's head coach. I, th- I think that his goose is cooked. I have Tech going 3-6 and six in the conference uh, with wins over uh, Baylor, Kansas, and uh, West Virginia. Oh, uh, a little upset special uh, there yeah, for, for Swagwick. Yeah, but uh, I think that... Tech is is going to have another lackluster season. They lose so much on offense, um, and their their defense made some strides last year, and they're expected to make uh, even more this year. But I, it's it, I think that uh, their their offense is going to take a big step back, and I don't think that their defense is going to be able to take a big enough step forward to compensate for it. The style of offense too doesn't help the defense. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, with with their high pace uh, up and down, also too when you're if you know you're throwing three straight incompletions and you're going three and outs, uh, you get that defense right back on the field. So uh, I agree. I think I think yeah, I'm gonna go that he's not coaching there anymore. I think at he, this point in the season. I think at this point in the season he has either well. Okay, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna halfway it here. He's an alumnus. They're gonna let him finish the season. I'm gonna say he resigns. Like he says, I'm stepping down at the end of the season. I think that's what we're gonna see at the, at this point in the season. Okay, then so maybe. that's that's I'm really riding the fence there. Mm-hmm. But I, but I don't think we're either of us are riding the fence on this being a K State victory. No, I'm I'm certainly not. Although I will be excited to uh, watch uh, Dakota Allen in person. Yeah, of Last Chance U fame. Uh, yeah, of Last Chance U fame. He uh, I had a lot of fun watching him on the on the show, and he was good for him last year, and I think uh, he's. Probably going to have another big season for Yeah, uh, a guy that, I mean, if you really want to set the poster board for, uh, or the, be the poster boy for uh, Last Chance U, a guy that's played himself into uh, to a star player for the Texas Tech defense and also a guy that has a uh, real chance to play at the next level. Yep, absolutely. Seems to be a pretty good dude, too. Yeah, absolutely. So glad for him uh, to, to get back to Texas Tech where he was at before. Uh, K-State. Closes out the season in Ames, Iowa. This is a game that you, uh, I think that a lot of K-State fans have circled after last year as as it was a uh, definite memorable game for K-State as getting the walk-off touchdown. Uh, how do you see this game going? Well, you think K-State fans are circling this game. Oh, Iowa State fans are right. They've been circling this game since, that clock since ran out, Emmanuel yeah. Lemur blocked uh, the extra yeah. point. Edge and Jack Cantelli, you know, booted. Take the, your pick. I mean, booted the game-winning field goal through. There's, 
where we could go on and on. Yeah, Since we'll the have a future prop podcast of just hilarious Iowa State biffs. You know the one the one Iowa State game that probably sticks you know in the back of their mind a little bit. Fifteen is, is just seeing Adam Helm just run up and down oh, yeah. in, in the comeback. Oh, that's that's where it all started. And it wasn't just like Adam Helm was ripping off you know 25, 45 yard runs on the option. Six and seven yards at a time. Just, just steady. Like clockwork. Yeah. And when when Adam Helm's doing that to you, it can't help but stay with you. And uh, I think uh, I think this is going to be a tough game for K-State. Uh, Iowa State's got a, got a talented team back. They lost. A, a trendy pick, I would say, to you know be a fringe contender to get to the Big 12 championship game mm. by some. How do you see this game going? I see it going about like it has for the last... 10 years. I see us playing uh, below our capability. I see Iowa State uh, taking this game late into the fourth quarter, and I see them ultimately doing something absurd and blowing it in a hilarious fashion. I think that I bet K-State wins this game something like 30 to 27 or something odd like that. And uh, I see us Going into our bag of tricks again and pulling out another win when we have no right to other than it's K-State versus Iowa State, and that's just how it goes. K-State always beats Iowa State. Stan Weber said it best last year. That's right. I mean, he, he really did. So, ah, man, this is a really tough game for me to p- predict. I think Iowa State, they owe us for so many, I think, what is it now, 10 straight? Mm-hmm. They owe us in, in the worst way. But, like you said earlier, we're residents of the state of Missouri. you got to show me first. Show me. And until it happens, and it will happen maybe one day that Iowa State beats K-State, but until that day uh, until that day occurs, I'm rolling with Coach Snyder. I am too. And, you know, Matt Campbell had a great season last year because, what he, because of what he did, but more importantly because of where he did it. And... You know, it, Paul Rhodes, Gene Chizik, but particularly Paul Rhodes, he was winning some games early on too. That and people said, "Oh, Paul Rhodes, he's the next, he's the next big thing," and he's got Iowa State going in the right direction. And he had so many viral videos of him being so proud, and yeah. you know, and, and all these locker room videos that show up on YouTube back uh, in two thousand what. 11 or something, whenever it was. Yeah, it, well, the, I think the game that I remember the, the most game? is, I think it was, I can't remember what the Well, obviously proud. the Oklahoma State upset. Well, and then there's the 9 And what, now was Chizik there? No? No, yeah. It would have been, it would have been Rhodes was there in 9 when they beat Nebraska and Lincoln. When Nebraska just could not get out of their own was way. That the, was that the turnover I, I, game? Yeah, they had like seven turnovers. Uh, I think Iowa State or Iowa State four seven turnovers to seven to nine or something. Yeah, it was like yeah nine to seven. I'd have to you know go back in the vault and and review that. But uh, you know they've had some memorable you know upsets when when you talk about uh, obviously the Oklahoma State game knocking Oklahoma State out of the national title uh, chase. They were they were. By the way, thanks there. Iowa State for that, says yeah. the Big 12. That was really they, cool. They probably got a nice call from Dan Beebe after that. Yeah. At the time. Uh, Dan Beebe's probably. Yeah, he was he was calling the shots. But my, but my, but my point of the story is, my point, my point is this, that we've seen 
coaches at Iowa State do well early on in their career. But we haven't really seen them sustain that for any significant period of time uh, that I can remember. I mean, Dan McCarney had a couple had a year in 2002, like we talked about earlier. Uh, Chizik, did he ever really turn into anything? Did no, he, ever, he never really did. I don't think he ever won seven games. No, I don't think I don't think he ever had the success that Matt Campbell's had at Iowa State. Rhodes had a good year or two, mm-hmm. and so just. If, if Campbell can put together another six or seven win campaign this year, then that's when I'll start to say, okay, maybe this is a little different than what we've seen before. And if he can do that, then uh, I'd be sweating if I was Iowa State because I think, uh, especially if stuff goes sideways at Ohio State with Urban, sure. I think he's a guy uh, being from Toledo, right? Yeah, he they had uh, plucked Iowa State had plucked him from Toledo. Yeah, then so I would be sweating if uh, if I was a Cyclone. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely one of the guys that's a, a hot name in a lot of these in the the coaching carousel world. So it will be interesting to see if he can back up. You know, what was a very surprising year with some big upsets. Uh, TCU, Oklahoma, they had notches in their belt. Could have easily beat Oklahoma State as well for another ranked another ranked team that's that I can think of offhand. Uh, definitely going to be interesting to see what Iowa State is able to do this year. Although they did just lock, uh, air quotes, lock Campbell up. They, they extended him. Yeah. Uh, they gave him a pretty healthy contract extension with a pretty healthy buyout to go along with it. And so maybe that will help Iowa State fans sleep at night. Well, so that's the schedule. I've got K-State going 10-2, which... It's probably too high, but that's what I've got. I'm going at 10-2, and two, and I'm sticking with it. I'm saying it with my chest. Drew, you have them going 8-4. and four. I'm going 8-4, and 6-3 and three in conference. Uh, I think that'll be good enough uh, for fourth place in the conference, uh, tied with West Virginia, but uh, not having the tiebreaker. Understood. Mm-hmm. Understood. What um, You've gone through and mapped out. How you think the entire conference schedule is going to go for, for I, every team? I've picked every game of the conference season. Um, wow. the, I, I I aspire to do that someday. With, with well, I've, I'm, I still have time. Yeah, there's you still have about. Well, you have a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So, in your estimation, uh, this year in the Big Twelve, give me a surprise team and give me a team that you think may disappoint. Well, I think Kansas State's going to be the surprise team. I think. I mean, that's a that's. Maybe a homer pick, but but I think that if uh, if K State goes out there, K State goes ten and two, they're a surprise team. Oh, you you bet. (laughs) But I I think that we're I think our wins, um, particularly over uh, Texas and uh, taking care of business against the rest of the bottom, uh, how I see the bottom half of the Big Twelve looking, uh, I think will probably be deemed the surprise team, other than. If OU goes undefeated like I expect them to, I think that would surprise a lot of people too. Uh, disappointing team? I think it's going to be Baylor. I think people are expecting Baylor to take some more strides than I am. Uh, Baylor going 1-8 and eight with their only win um, being against uh, KU. So, you got uh, KU going winless? Uh, yeah, I have them going over. You got, I, you got Dave Beatty. I think, when wins he get fired? I, I think I'd be surprised if he's their coach through... The second weekend of October, um, I'll be a little surprised because I see them having maybe one or two wins. I, I 
I'd be it's shocked pretty, if they had three. It's pretty tough to imagine. Well, it's it's impossible to imagine them winning on the road. Mm-hmm. And when you cross off half your schedule because you can't win on the road, it's tough to find a whole lot of other wins when you've got you know conference games to take up the other half and. You know, they have Nickel State first week of the season, who's a pretty game uh, FCS opponent. Uh, had, a, had a very close loss. I believe they lost by seven last year at Kyle Field against Texas A&M. Going to not be a cakewalk for that initial game. I remember, uh, I think it was in 2016, they played Rhode Island uh, to start off the season. and What a win. And they, I believe they stormed the field. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't I bet, recall. I, I, I believe they stormed the field. I believe all 8,000 people that were there got on the field and ripped down the goalpost. Well, yeah. but I And I also remember Bill Self went into their, I think he went into their locker room right after the game or he went to their practice at the week, the subsequent week after the Rhode Island game and just told them that he was really proud of these guys and told them that they were going to, he was looking forward to bigger things from them, and then they go out there and just lay a fart the rest of the season. Hey, they did have they did have Texas though. Oh, that's true. That's they did a, have that. Yeah. They did have that. They can always they can always hang on to that. So, uh, what about you, Chris? Who's your surprise team? Who's your uh... well? With K State going ten and two, I think I have to have them as my surprise team. But I'm going to exclude that. Uh, I will say my surprise team this year. Huh, this is really tough. I'm going to go. T- I'm going to go with Baylor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go opposite of you here. I think Baylor is gonna be good enough to get to a to a bowl game this year. Uh, six and six, I, I think, is doable for them. Uh, their non conference, I think, you're gonna know right away. They uh, they have a couple non conference games that are that are gonna be uh, relatively relatively challenging. I think they they get UTSA as as we had mentioned. Um, they get Duke at home. Duke at home. And then don't they have? I'm pulling it up right now. They have oh Abilene Christian to kick off. So Duke is the real is the real FBS team that they have to play. But uh, UTSA obviously beat them last year. Uh, going on the road to uh, to the Alamo Dome uh, could be uh, could be a tough test for them. If they can get out of that, shoot if Baylor can get. I don't expect them to beat Duke, but I expect them to go three and four. Uh, their first. Uh, their first, uh, or I expect them to go. Excuse me, three and one in their first four games, uh, with wins over Abilene Christian, UTSA, and KU. And then you expect them to win three more. Yeah. Which ones? I could see them beating Tech. Uh, I, could, I could too. That's that's a neutral site game. Neutral site game. I could see them catching Oklahoma State at, at home, and. Uh, the TCU game could be could be tough uh, for them. I don't see them winning that game. Hey, it's a rivalry game, though. But it's a rivalry game. You throw out the hat. I, I could see them going on the road to Iowa State. Uh, who knows, you know, with, with what Baylor's got. But I, I do like their talent. I think you're going to see flashes. Uh, whether they go 6-6 uh, six and six and get to a bowl game or maybe a 5-7 and seven is probably a little bit more likely. Uh, seeing them have some some strides in terms of in, in terms of the talent that they're able to put out on the field as well as uh, I think Matt Rule is a good coach and think he'll ultimately get it done. Uh, in terms of my disappointment, uh, I think West Virginia. I think West Virginia is the most overrated team in the conference, and I think they're also one of the more overrated teams in the nation. Uh, I don't love their defense. Uh, I think that they get a lot of the hype uh, due to their offensive firepower, which is uh, which is, is potent. They have a, they, their wide receivers are talented. Obviously, they have a good trigger man. Uh, 
but I think that defense is going to be tough. They also uh, play a really uh, a pretty challenging schedule uh, with their three non-conference games uh, all being – or with two of their three conference games uh, being P5, uh, Power 5 teams. They play Power 5 teams all but one game, which – I believe they are the only team in the conference that does that. So their schedule is not doing them any favors. Uh, they get Youngstown State as their one gimme in the non-con. But uh, Tennessee at a neutral st- neutral site and NC State in Raleigh are not uh, not cakewalks. So I've got West Virginia as the disappointment of the league. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I think tune in Saturday at uh, 2.30 and we'll, we'll find out. Because I yeah. think that if they go out there and – and handle Tennessee, then I think that uh, they've got to be feeling pretty good about about where they're at. I mean, granted, Tennessee is not exactly. A world yeah, it's not. It's not like Team Martin's back there taking snaps now. No, no, it's okay. not like. Okay, it's not like uh, Peyton Manning's back there. Yeah. Well, you know, T. Martin, he's got he's got the ring to prove it too. Uh, Peyton, can we just not? Peyton does uh, that too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's what we've got here for the conference prediction. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up here after this. So we're going to wrap this up here uh, just with kind of some uh, some questions that, you know, K-State fans should be asking themselves here as we're, as we're looking forward to uh, to this 2018 season getting kicked off here. Uh, Drew, let me ask you. This season will be a success if? I'm going to give you two answers here. First, I think the season will be a success if we win eight games in the regular season. I think that that's a threshold that would make a lot of people happy. Uh, it's a decent season by all rights, especially with this schedule. If we win eight games, it's a successful season, full stop. If we win seven games and uh, we find a quarterback that we can decide on moving forward through 2019 and possibly 2020, if it's Skyler, then I can live with that too, also a success. But if we go through the whole season... We win seven games, we get to a bowl game, uh, and we're still splitting snaps where we bring in Delton for... It's a bit of a replay of the yeah, Cactus Bowl. You know, right. to, where, to where we don't really... We, we enter the, uh, the offseason with more questions at quarterback than we, than we did before the bowl game. Right, a, a little bit like 2013. Sure. Where, where we go through the entire season and the fan base is still split. You know, you have Team Delton, Team Skyler. Then I will not consider that a success. I would consider that a disappointment um, because I think we would have underperformed and uh, we will have uh, no identity going into 2019 on the opposite side of the ball. I think that's a fair, that's, I think that's a fair statement to say there. I, uh, I have a little bit higher expectations with, with my 10 and two, uh, <laughs> yeah, which, I'm, which I'm still kind of scratching my head about how we got there. But no, I really do feel that uh, best case scenario, case they can go 10 and two, maybe 11 and one, depending on, on what happens in the rest of the Big 12. I think the Big 12 is wide open this year. And, and that's part of the reason uh, why I do like K-State this year so much. Uh, one thing I will say 
in regard to, to this season will be a success for me if what. And obviously, I have us going 10-2. Uh, that's probably the best case. I think that I think any case any state fan would say that. But I think a realistic, um, maybe a more middle-of-the-road uh, the season will be success if. And that's if K-State is going into the final three games of the season against Iowa State, KU, and Texas Tech. So it would be KU, Tech, Iowa State in order. Uh, that K-State's still fighting for a conference title. Uh, in getting in either whether if it's that the first spot in the Big 12 Conference or uh, the second spot to get to get to uh, get to Jerry World and play in a Big 12 Championship game. If K State's playing meaningful football in terms of winning a conference title in November, uh, I think that would be that'd be great. And I think that's something with uh, if we can survive that middle part of the schedule uh, where you know we have Texas, Oklahoma State, OU at TCU, at OU and at TCU. Uh, I think if we can come out of there in, in decent shape and have a chance to, uh, to get to Dallas uh, by winning, winning, out, winning out those final three games, I think K-State fans would take that too. Absolutely. And, and if we are in that position, you got to feel like, I mean, if we're within a game or two of uh, the conference championship picture at that point, you gotta, you got to be thinking that, we have a decent shot because if we're in that position at that point in the season, then we're likely going to be favored in all three of those games, with the lone exception maybe being at Iowa State, depending sure, on what they do. Maybe a short underdog or short favorite. There. Yeah, and so uh, I agree. I think that if, if come November we're in that position, I think K-State fans would have every reason to be have extremely high hopes. Yeah, I, I think that that's – I think and I think that's definitely doable. So – We'll, we'll kind of switch the question here and uh, pose it this way. This season will be a failure if. It'll be a complete failure if we, we don't have an answer at quarterback moving forward. It'll be a complete failure if we see little to no change in the offensive philosophy moving forward because I think a lot of K-State fans are going to, are, have high expectations for uh, some increased creativity. Um, on the offensive side of the ball. And it'll be uh, a failure if the defense rests in the same type of conservative bend but don't break without actually... Uh, without actually bending. <laughs> we're just, just actually, breaking. Yeah, More just, breaking than bending. Yeah, like we're just a Ritz cracker. That, yeah. that not, not a lot of bend there, just any just, type, of, type of prejudice. Just flaky goodness. Yeah, just okay. flaky, buttery deliciousness. Well, what's, what's your disappointment? That would be that would also be along those same lines. So I think any time that, you know, I think for most programs in, in the country, winning a bowl game is, or going to a bowl game is, is the bare minimum. Obviously, uh, I, I think that if we just go 6-6 six and six and go to a bowl game, that would be another failure. Uh if seven and five going to a bowl game, uh, that would be kind of on the low end. But I, I would be I would be hard pressed to say seven and five going to a bowl game, and you know if we won that bowl game, finish out with eight wins, I would be hard pressed to say that that's a, that's an abject failure. So what I'm gonna I'm gonna echo what you said too that you know we see these changes on the coaching staff, and then we find out that it's it's the same song, different verse. Uh, I think that would be incredibly frustrating. Uh, and if we don't have answers at quarterback, so I think you you hit the nail on the head right there with that. 
and I I hope that that's not the case, and I don't think it will be. I think uh, from what you know what we've heard in the off season is the offense isn't going to be the same. It, it's going to be different. Uh, the only thing that I uh, am hoping to, to to get an answer to, and I think you know I think we'll have a pretty good idea of this hopefully after the first oh, five or six games as we get into uh, the the early part of conference play is do we have a guy that stepped out and has emerged as our quarterback? And, you know, if so, then, then let's go and, and let's, uh, let's uh, give this guy the reins to the offense. That's right. I agree. I 100% agree. Let's, let's find an answer. Let's find an identity moving forward. And then in 2019, let's pray to God that we find a running back, which I think we will. But that's a different story for a different day. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here. On the short side option, uh, just to, to recap, Drew's got K State uh, going eight and four with losses to uh, with losses to Mississippi State, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and TCU. Uh, I've got K State going ten and two, uh, losses only to Oklahoma and Mississippi State. Drew, you want to change your mind last minute? Nope, I I've had that that uh, record penciled for us for some time, and I'm sticking with it. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up here on, on the first edition of the Short Side Option. Uh, that'll do it uh, for here tonight. Uh, I do want to say uh, thank you for, for listening with us here. We, uh, we hope to bring you some uh, several more episodes here throughout the season. would like to do maybe a, a review, and uh, the next time you'll be hearing from us is uh, going to be a review of the South Dakota game and a preview to uh, the Mississippi State game uh, where things really uh, get underway here. Uh, in the 2018 season for Kansas State. That's right. We're uh, we're looking forward to bringing you the best and most thorough coverage of Kansas State football that you can find anywhere in um, Eastern Missouri. And also, you guys deserve it too, K State fans. Missouri. Western Missouri, <laughs> Eastern Missouri. You know, wherever we are. Uh, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, Feel free uh, to, to ask us questions, and, and maybe we'll get to those in the next podcast. What do you say? I think that's a good idea. All right, signing off. Uh, Chris and Drew, have a good night.